Heavenly Father, thank you for the celebration of Christmas, where we remember your love for us. And as we remember Christ coming on that first Christmas, fill us now with hope as we look ahead to Christ's return for us. Open our ears that we may hear and our minds that we can understand. And soften our hearts, strengthen our hands that we may respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's passage is on Philippians chapter 1, verse 1 to 11. I'd like to start first with this question. What comes to your mind when you hear the words love letters? What comes to your mind when you hear the words love letters? Um, hopefully it's not this one. I'm trying to refer to this one, those that you write. What comes to your mind when you hear the word love letters? Uh, love letters can be um, long, can be short, but they are always filled with emotions. Our love letters pour out emotions of devotions, of longing, of grief, of hope, of desires. What comes to mind when you hear the word love letters? Uh, perhaps it could be movies that you have watched that have love letters in it. Perhaps one that you have received a long time ago. Uh, perhaps it's the one that you have written that won you your wife. Um, if, if you are the one, let the rest know how you do it. Okay, love letters uh, are full of emotions. In fact, I want to read a love letter to you right now. But don't worry, it's not from rom-com. Uh, it's from World War I. It's not even from lovers. It's a love letter from a father to his precious little daughter, written a hundred years ago. Let me read this uh, for you. 4th December, 1916. My dear little Majori, I've only just received your little letter which Mama sent with hers on November 19. Do you remember that you asked me to be home for Christmas? I only wish I could. But there are many more soldiers in our battery who are more entitled to Christmas leave than I am. So I'm afraid that you will have to do without Daddy this Christmas. Meanwhile, I'm thinking that your writing and your dictation are just splendid. Your drawings are getting funnier than ever. In fact, I've Paint your crayon tulip on the wall of my dug-up bedroom beside your photograph. And then the letter ends. Heaps of love and kisses which you must share with Mama and Betty, your sister, from your ever-loving father. Now, Marjorie, she did not see her dad that Christmas or the next. In fact, she never saw her dad again because a few months after this letter was written, they found a letter of Marjorie and a photograph of her and her Sister Betty, on the breast pocket of Garner Cove, because he died in war a few months later. You know, a love letter is anything but boring. Even if it's an old love letter, when you take it up, it's always full of emotions, and it's always filled with um, desires and longings. Now, my question for us is, what kind of love letter is, Philipp what kind of letter is Philippians? Uh, it is a love letter written to a church in Philippi, by their beloved pastor, the Apostle Paul. So if you have a Bible and, and you can keep it open, you'll be great. I'll be reading verse 1 and verse 2 for us. Verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul writes this letter with great love and warmth to his beloved church in Philippi, speaking of his affections for them. In fact, the background of the letter of Philippians comes from Acts 16. 
And the story is, uh, the background of um, this, the relationship goes like this in Acts 16, that Paul and his companions, they were uh, preaching around in various places the gospel of Jesus Christ. But one night while Paul was sleeping, he had a vision of a Macedonian man. And the man says, come to Macedonia and help us. So Paul woke up and he says, let's go to Macedonia. Pack out his bag, got his companions. He traveled from Charles, uh, where there, up to Philippi, which is a Roman colony uh, for Macedonia, uh, a leading city in Macedonia. And there Paul began to preach the good news of Jesus. And some of the Philippians there began to come to the Lord. In fact, amongst them was a jailer and his family. How did the jailer become Christian? Basically, when Paul was preaching, he was being beaten up and he was thrown into prison. So since he was in prison, he started to preach the gospel. And the, the jailer became a Christian. Now, as the letter of Philippians being written, guess what? Paul is arrested again, uh, this time around in Rome. He was either arrested in prison or in house arrest because he writes about the chains that he is in. But amazingly, as you read the letter of Philippians, you, you realize that it contains neither sadness nor grumbling. Instead, it is filled with Paul's thanksgiving, his joy, his longings for his beloved Philippians because they share a common gospel partnership, because they share in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at verse six, uh, 3 to 6 with me as Paul reviews the basis of their gospel partnership. Let me read verse 3 for us. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So being confident of this very partnership, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. As I described to you, Paul and the Philippians gospel partnership, I want us to pause and think, what is the basis for them to have this partnership, uh, even when one is in prison? As we look at verse 3 to 6, Paul, he gave thanks to God every time when he thinks about Philippians, he's always giving thanks. When he prays for them, he's always full of joy because the Philippians, they were not ashamed of Paul and his gospel. In fact, when Paul was in Philippians, they said, Paul, stay with us and tell us, to, tell us about the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he was released from prison, the brothers and sisters flocked to Lydia's house to meet Paul and even supported him when he sent off to Thessalonica um, to preach uh, the gospel. And in the letter of Philippians itself, Paul says they repeatedly prayed for, for him and supported him financially when the rest did not. And if that is not enough, Philippians tells us that when the Philippians heard that Paul was in prison, they became anxious. They sent their strongest man, maybe, uh, Aphrodite, to go and take care of Paul. And guess what? He almost died on his journey and Paul has to take care of Aphrodite. And Paul says, thankfully he's not dead, otherwise my heart would be broken. And there, when he sent him back, he says, um, that is so much that you love me and that's so much that I have loved um, you. And what is the reason? It's verse 5. Look at verse 5. Paul says his joy comes because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day you became a Christian until now. So what is that basis for them to have this gospel partnership? Are they better off? Are the Philippians better off than other Christians? No, they're not. Is it easy to be a Christian in Philippi? That's why they are doing this. 
Well, it doesn't look like the case. Look at the answer, it's in verse 6. Verse 6, Paul says, Being confident of this very partnership, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The basis, the basis for their gospel partnership was the good work that God has started in the Philippians and was still doing in them. God began this good work the moment they became a Christian and they recognized that they too are partakers and partners with Paul in this gospel venture. They knew that it was very costly for Paul. They saw it firsthand, but they knew even more that it was costlier for God to give that gospel to them and to us. And what's that gospel? That God sent His Son to earth, humbled and to die on the cross, even on the cross. But yet, death could not hold Jesus and He rose from the dead. And that is the gospel that God has given to them and to us. And so the work of God is actually the basis for us to have gospel partnership uh, with each other. And Paul goes on, he says that he is confident if God is the one who started the work, God is the one who will complete the work. Dear brothers and sisters, as we read the letter of uh, Philippians, it's not a letter to us, it's to the Philippians, but it's a letter for us. Because all of us have the same work of God in us when we believe in Jesus. It's not uh, an old news. It's as fresh as Paul's time that God is still working in us so that we are able to partner with each other in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we must not forget that it was God who raised Jesus from the dead. It was God who raised us spiritually dead to be called the children of God. It is God who has started the work in us, and then it is the work of God who will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. There are three things uh, in 3 to 6 that tells us about this kind of gospel work. If you look at 3 to 6, there are three things that Paul mentions uh, about this kind of gospel work. The first one is, it is a partnership. It's not the work of an individual hero. It's not the work of Paul alone. It's the work of Paul and the rest of Christians. Well, not everyone ends up in jail, but everyone is involved uh, in bringing the gospel out to the world. Second is a partnership that God is pleased with. Paul says, I think about you with joy when I talk to God, and God is happy to listen to it because what better things can you talk to God than something that God is pleased with? And Paul says, God is pleased with the partnership. The third thing, it is a partnership that God is pleased with, and God himself is involved in. Because the reality is we can't do gospel partnership by our own strength. We'll fail. But with God working through us, he will succeed. Um, he who has begun the work will finish it until Christ return. So dear brothers and sisters, if we have come to believe Jesus as our Lord and Savior, then we need to start to recognize that God has already begun the work in us to do gospel work that we actually already have God's work in us to do gospel work. We can, we can say, ah, well, Paul is super, super apostle, the Philippians are super Christians. They can do it, they can maintain and persevere through. We kind of will run out of fuel. Well, actually that is true. By human strength, we'll do gospel partnership, we're not going to be able to make it. But it's not impossible when it is God's work. In fact, if you look at history, 
God who has begun the gospel partnership 2,000 years ago have been carrying it on up to today. That generations after generations have kept the gospel partnership to proclaim the gospel. The gospel has moved from Jerusalem right up to the doorstep of BTPC. The, the generations have carried on the gospel when it seems most impossible in the most difficult times right to today. And that's why we can have the gospel. There is no skip generations for the past 2,000 years. And we can have confidence. God said, I will finish it. He will finish it. So as we receive the gospel um, from the previous generations, so too it will be given to us that we'll pass the gospel to the next generations. And we'll pass the gospel to people who are unreached perhaps in Singapore or elsewhere um, with the gospel. Because God is confident that His gospel will save. And if our confidence is in God to do this work, it will be accomplished. Now, the, the question that we might struggle with is, alright, we have to do gospel partnership, but I don't feel the passion to do gospel partnership. Have there been times that you, you want to, your mind and your heart's struggling with it? Well, Paul knows about it, and that's where verse 7 and 8 comes in. Uh, if you look at it with me, where Paul, he starts to describe his passion for the gospel, and then he explains the secret to have that kind of passion. Look at verse 7 and 8 with me as I read it for us. Paul says, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. Whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. And God can testify how I long for all of you in the, with the affection of Christ Jesus. Now, if someone says that, well, Paul is just a fierce apostle that always scolds and rebukes, maybe they have just read 1 Corinthians, but they have never read Philippians, right? Because if you read Philippians, it's anything but a fierce apostle, because he is full of love. Well, it's true that he's a, he's a very tough apostle. 2 Corinthians 11 told us this, Paul says himself, you know what, I've been to prison more than anyone else. Five times I received the 39 lashes. A few times I almost died. I was flogged all the time. I was beaten with rods, pelted with stones, shipwrecked three times, float in open sea. I faced dangers from everyone. The Jews want to kill me. The Gentiles want to kill me. But yet, Paul says, I always continue to think about you guys, about my church. When I think about you, I feel your pain when you suffer. I groan when you sin. So Paul is a tough man. He's a tough apostle. But he is not ashamed to reveal his affection for his church and other Christians. He's not afraid to reveal his passion for the gospel. So in this letter, you can almost imagine if you are in Rome looking at this old apostle Paul as a, as a soldier or something. You see this weird old man is always smiling to himself, thinking about his church, praying to, the, to God about them. But that is how Paul is, right? That's Paul. Because as you read Philippians, you cannot help but realize that Paul's passion for the gospel and Paul's love and affection for his partners just flows out from, from Philippians. If you read it, you can't, you can't hide after a few words. You say, oh, I love you. I feel, say, What's this, this softy. He's, not, he's a tough man, but he's motivated with affection and passion for God's gospel. You know, I remember about a year ago when we were doing Second uh, Corinthians, uh, we, were, we decided as a family with some other Christians that we will write to uh, prisoners in Iran through open doors. So the method of, to doing that is, uh, is this. 
we, we get children to write postcards and draw pictures. It's not so threatening, right, to send to prison. And in it, you write some um, encourage uh, verses and say that we'll pray for you. So we, we partner with Open Door. We send this. We send to Open Door. They send it out to the prisoners. And we, we pray we prayed for them. And one of the prisoners, he was called Pastor Farshid. Uh, he was in prison in Karaj. Uh, his sentence was seven years imprisonment, 73 lashes. Because he told people about Jesus. Um, but thanks be to God, his grace was sufficient. He's due to release, be released in 2017, but he was released a few weeks ago. Um, another Christian sister, um, her name is Marianne. She's not so fortunate. She was imprisoned in Athens uh, prison, a, a very heavy uh, guarded prison. And there she was sexually harassed uh, by the prison guards, by the female prison guards. It's actually said that it's a method to break your prisoners so that they will denounce their faith. Uh, it's not been done before, but the record recently opened door says this is the first time that this has been um, discovered. Um, Christians who are imprisoned for the gospel, they desperately need gospel partnership. They need the partnership of other Christians to pray for them, to support them, to encourage them, to write to them. Um, and this is what exactly the Philippians did. They wanted to encourage Paul. But there's something amazing and special about Philippians. Uh, is that it's not the free Christians writing to the prisoner. It's the prisoner writing to the Christians to encourage them. You know what? I, ca- I can imagine writing to a prisoner. I can't imagine a prisoner suffering in Iran writing me a passionate letter. Andrew, it's been difficult to be a Christian in Singapore and Perth. Please persevere. No, you're doing a good job. I can't imagine... The opposite thing, that they are writing to encourage me here as a free Christian. But that's exactly how Philippians are re- is written. That Paul, who is arrested, is writing with full passion for the gospel and full affection for his believers to persevere on in their faith. So the question we need to ask is, what is the secret to have that kind of passion? What gave Paul that kind of passion to um, have this gospel partnership? What gave the Philippians the passion for the gospel to send their own, uh, it's one thing to send money, it's another thing to send your own family members to Rome and almost die for the sake of the gospel. The secret is this, look at verse 7. The last sentence of 7, Paul says, the secret is because all of you share in God's grace with me. Their passion for gospel partnership is because they remember the grace that they have received and they share. And our passion, for us to have passion for gospel partnership, is our remembering of the grace that we have received from God, that all of us share. What is that grace? That grace is what we have just remembered in Christmas. On the first Christmas, when Mary, Joseph, the shepherds and the wise men, they look at the beautiful baby boy being born, God looked down and saw his beloved only son who has loved him perfectly, getting ready to die for sinners like us. That is the grace that we all share, undeserving, but so preciously given to us. What will keep, what has kept prisoners like Paul, Pastor Farshid, or Miriam passionate for gospel even in prison? What will keep churches like Philippians and for us BTPC to be passionate for the gospel? 
it is to remember the grace that we all share. You know, the secret to have passion for the gospel is not by ability, it's by memory. Let me say that again. To have passion for the gospel is not based on our ability, what we can do, but it's based on our memory. Do we remember the grace that we first received when we became a Christian, no matter how young or how old we are. Because that memory and that remembrance of the grace that we have received and we are still having and we are still enjoying every day, the forgiveness of sin, the promise and hope of future, the seal of the Holy Spirit in us, the grace that we have received, this will fuel our passion uh, for the gospel. So finally, as we look at verse 9 to 11, we want to ask the next question. So what are the ways to actually have gospel partnership? What are the ways to have gospel partnership? Look at verse 9 and verse 11 with me as I read it uh, for us. Verse 9. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Now what, what do we do when we say we love a person? What do we do when we say we love a person? Hopefully not the way we say we love KFC and Johnson Duck, right? Because that's kind of, we love them, they sacrifice. But what is the kind of love that Paul is reflecting here? Remember the story I told you about Ghana Cove in the beginning? No, when he wrote his letter to his precious little daughter, Marjorie, he didn't complain that it was unfair. Some get to go home, some do not. He says, some of them are more privileged to go home. Well, Garner, he did not say that, you know, look at you guys, people are living in big houses and living in mud trenches. I see some army or army guys around, if you are. That, you know what's mud trenches, right? You sleep and leave there, you don't even have a pillow, you, you get your sandbag. But he says, you know what? I have your tulips and your photos stuck on my dark bedroom. And I was looking at it, I'm enjoying it. He didn't say, uh, no, I've got no love for you guys. I'm very bitter. He says, I've got heaps of love and kisses for you. So much, you better share with mom and your sister, Betty. Uh, and lots of love from your loving daddy. No, when you read Philippians from verse 9 to 11, you can barely remember that Paul is in prison. That's why we need to be reminded. Because his letter is so full of joy and love and warmth. And it turns out to become prayers for them. So what do we do when we love God and we love, want to love other Christians and other people? Um, Paul gives us at least three ways in verse 9 to 11. I'm going to look at it um, together. And this perhaps could be our 2016 application on how to have gospel partnership. Uh, the first one, look at verse 9, is the way of gospel partnership is true prayer for others. Prayer for others. Verse 9 says, And this is my prayer. The best way to love other Christians and partner Christians who are suffering is first of all through prayers. You know, for the Philippians, they prayed uh, for Paul, and for Paul, he prays for them. What better way to partner another Christian than to talk to God fondly about them. No, when you talk fondly about a Christian to God, what better ways um, can you have? The question is, how is our prayer life? Do we pray for um, other Christians, missionaries? Do we pray with people? You know, one of the areas I... It's not natural, so I have to remind myself often, is that do I pray for others regularly? 
do I pray for the Christians that I say I pray for? You know, I get a bit worried when I say to too many people, I'll pray for you, I'll pray for you, I'll pray for you. And I go, ah, the names, the names, what are the things? I better write them. Because the worst thing is, when they come back and say, ah, Andrew, thanks for praying for me, God answer my prayer, I'll be like, ah, did I pray? Those who are laughing, maybe you experience the same thing, right? It's not natural, but that's what we need to do. We need to pray for others. And in fact, write it down. Maybe we have a Bible, write it in pencil on one of your front page, so that when you open your Bible, you see their name and just pray for them and remember them. Um, prayer is so crucial. For those who are in prison, some of them have never received anything and they think that God has abandoned them. But when letters start to come in, they realize that they have partners all over the world and that strengthens their faith. The same has been for Paul and the Philippians. You know, I speak on behalf of my family. Over six years that we are in Perth, we have been recipients of many people in BTPC who have prayed for us, who have visited us, who have encouraged us. When you come back, you make us feel like home, at home. And, uh, and you think fondly of us just as we think fondly of you guys. And, and that is just a wonderful partnership that we share with others and that you have shared with us. Um, so the first point is the way of gospel, uh, gospel partnership is through prayers for other Christians. It's not difficult, but it takes effort to uh, do it. The second way of gospel partnership is through growing our love for God and for others that is built on knowledge. Let me say again. To grow our love for God and for others that is built on knowledge. Let me read verse 9 and 10 I'll explain to you what that means. Verse 9. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. You, you know the beauty of love, especially Christian love, is that the more we know God, the more we start to love Him. The more we know God's Word, the more we start to love other people. Because truth helps us to love people. You know, we, we want to love people and we want love is about giving someone the best that we can. Isn't it? When we say we love someone, we give them the best we can. The problem is sometimes we don't really know what's the best. You know, I always have to learn from my wife. Uh, until now, I always have to learn from her various things, including what's good food and what's bad food. Uh, you know what? If I do not learn from my wife, what will happen is I will be giving my, my, my son and my daughter ice cream and chocolate for breakfast, brunch, lunch, uh, tea break, dinner, supper, and the meals in between. Because why? I love them. You say, Daddy, ice cream, okay. No, you, I love them. But the moment I have the truth that this is actually detrimental for them, it will no longer be love if I do that. Do you agree? If I still do that for my kids, giving them seven meals of ice cream a day, that is not called love. If we do not learn from the Bible that everyone will face judgment for sins, you know what? We don't really want to disturb the peace of other people. We don't want to, people are peaceful, let them be, they enjoy what they, they believe, they believe they are, we believe, let's be peaceful. If we do not have truth, if we don't recognize the Bible says there is judgment, we don't want to disturb their peace. But you know what? When Christians we say peace, we come with grace. You know, Paul always says grace and peace to you. The reality is only Christians can say that because when we say peace, it's because we have first received grace. If you have no grace, you have no peace. If you have received no grace from God, you can claim no peace for the future. That is what the Bible tells us. So do we um, 
grow and work on our gospel partnership by and to love God and to love others by growing in our knowledge of God and His truth. Perhaps for this 2016, let us start afresh, forget about 2005 and what has happened. Start from 2016, okay? That we can consider how we can grow in our knowledge of God's Word so that we can grow in our love for God and others. Uh, one way I found useful, but you can find your ways that are helpful for your for yourself, is that I find sometimes a bit hard to read the Bible in five minutes, you know, read a few verses and tomorrow read a few verses. After one month, I actually can't remember what I read. Uh, what I found has been really helpful for me is that maybe for one week or, or fortnight, I'll take one hour or just two hours, just sit down and read the Bible, uh, the, the whole book, maybe Philippians, it takes less than an hour, maybe just read it and pray that God will help me to understand so that I could love Him. Um, so that I wouldn't have to say, okay, I did my routine duties every day, but I can't remember anything. So, so, so that's helpful for me. You can think of various ways that uh, will be helpful for you. So do ourselves a favor in 2016. Maybe choose a time that we could spend more time reading God's Word so that we can love Him and ask Him to help us to love Him when we read His Word. Uh, it could be privately by ourselves or it could be small groups if some of us uh, find it more helpful uh, in fact, it's good to be with small groups so that we can read and encourage each other. So that could be one way. Finally, look at verse 10 and 11 as it tells us the third way of gospel partnership. And that is bearing fruit of righteousness. Bearing fruit of righteousness. Let me read verse 10 and verse 11 for us. Verse 10. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. The reason, the reason why we should be growing our love for God and others uh, that is built on knowledge is so that we can discern what is best. You know, discernment is not everything in our head. Discernment uh, has to be um, acted out because our actions actually reveals whether we are discerning or not. We can be very discerning in the mind, but if our actions don't show that, we actually are not discerning. So our actions actually reveals whether we are discerning or not. And Paul says you must discern for what is best. So what is best? It cannot be anything else but to proclaim the gospel and living in light of the gospel. Proclaiming the gospel, telling people about Jesus and living in light of Christ's return. Because that is what God is what is most important to God, and that's what Jesus came to do, and that's what the gospel partners all through the generations have been doing, have been willing to give up, some of them have given up their lives to proclaim the gospel so that we can receive today. And this discernment from Paul is telling us that only Christians can have this discernment. You know why? Because only Christians can recognize that what Jim Ellis says, it is not a fool when we give up what is precious temporal to gain what we can never lose in eternity. Only a Christian can discern because we have grace in our lives and we have hope that can be cashed out. So that is something that Paul says. And Paul goes on, in case we forget about gospel partnership, that he says in, in verse 6 and verse 10, the day of Christ. If you look at verse 6 and verse 10, you'll see something very beautiful here. Verse 6, Paul says that God will do the good work that he's planning and he'll finish, up, finish it up until the day of Christ. And verse 10, 
We are called to do the good work and keep doing until the day of Christ. Guess who is our partner in gospel partnership? Have you got a better partner than that? Because God is in partnership with us to finish the work. If God is in partnership, do you think you'll fail? It has never failed for 2,000 years and it's not going to fail. But are we going to be the partners? Because God has called us to be His partners. In fact, God has allowed us and has placed in us the ability to have this partnership in the grace that He has given to us. And Paul goes on, he says, these words are not just for individuals. That's the problem sometimes when we just read the Bible for ourselves. It's about me and God. But Philippians is about Paul writing to a whole community. You guys have gospel partnership as a community. What does it mean? You know, when, when a person when a person sees a Christian being transformed by the gospel, you know what goes through the mind? He says, maybe that gospel is real. Maybe. But if he sees a community of Christians who are transformed by the gospel, the evidence of the power of the gospel becomes undeniable. They can choose not to accept, but the, the power of the gospel becomes visible and evidence that they cannot be denied. And God says, the gospel partnership is for all of you. And who are our gospel partners? It's not people in the past like Paul, they are really dead. It's not about people in the future, they are not even born. Right? The gospel partners we have, look around, are the people next to us. In BTPC, it's us. And as Christians, we are universal. In, as we say, the Apostle Creed, we also remember our Christians who are in Iran or in, Cor- in Korea, in all kinds of places. We can partner with them and there are channels for us to partner with them in this gospel. So let us live this gospel partnership as a community. And that's what verse 11 means when he says about the gospel partnership, that it is some, it means that we are filled with the fruit of righteousness through Jesus Christ. That is gospel partnership. And let me end off with how verse 11 ends off something I've not read up to now. And it is this, verse 11 ends, to the glory and praise of God. How does gospel partnership give glory and praise to God? How does gospel partnership give glory and praise to God? On the day of Christ. You know, on the day of Christ, what's going to happen? On the day of Christ, when Christ returns, that big screen, you know, we all are afraid of the big screen, will appear, and all our lives, our thoughts, our desires, things that we did, things that we didn't dare to do, but we think, all on the screen. And all creation will give glory and praise to God, because why? When all the horrors of our life appears, the blood of Christ covers it up. And that's why we are forgiven, and we are entering the kingdom of God. Because it's all of God's work, He said that He will do it, He will finish it, and He did. All creation will give glory and praise to God. But there's a second reason why all creation will give glory and praise to God. And it's this. When they look at our timeline, it sees that we who are rebellious in our heart against God, we are sinners, we are self-centered, we have been, everything is about us, when we know Christ, we start to transform from self-centeredness to God-centeredness. From being all about us to be about other people. From grabbing the gifts to loving the giver. From looking at what is of all value is just temporal for the eternal hope. When all these things are flashed on the screen, all creation gives glory because why? Through Jesus, He has achieved what He has planned. To turn us from people who are enemies of God 
to people who willingly love God and doing gospel partnership with each other for the next generation and for those who have not heard. When that happens, we are imperfect, but when that happens, all creation give glory and praise to God because of our partnership. As we end today, brothers and sisters, and begin our fresh new year ahead, let's not look behind, let's look ahead. Let us think of how we can live out this gospel partnership together. Now, perhaps consider one or the two things that we have spoken about up to now. It could be our prayer life. Perhaps we could start finding and thinking about people we can pray for. It's not difficult. It takes effort. We can find people that we can pray for, or missionaries that we can pray about, or missions to Batam that we can pray about, people we have met we can pray for. And the amazing thing is, as we pray for them, our hands will start to move. We are more ready to move to reach out to people we have prayed for than people we have never talked about. Second one, perhaps a thing we can do is to grow our love for God and others through reading the Bible by ourselves or together as a group, in small groups or with another friend. We can read the Bible and grow our knowledge and love for God and ask God to help us. Or the third way we can is to tell people about the gospel. Sometimes we are afraid by ourselves. We do it as a group. Uh, there's Batam missions still happening. I think that could be one. If you're afraid to do it by yourself, do as a group, I think it's great. Uh, or to go for other missions or just encourage another Christian in church or somewhere who's struggling to uh, pick him or her up and say, let's carry on walking. Let's carry on finishing this race. We are partners. Your partners are all around if you can't see. Show them who are their partners and finish this race together. May the Lord be with us and we will continue to persevere in gospel partnership that we have began and we will continue until Christ returns and God finishes it for us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are just so thankful to you for your gospel proclaimed and your gospel that is sent forth um, and the gospel that we have received. Thank you for those who have loved us enough to proclaim the gospel to us. Those who have known you enough and to be willing to do it for you. And as we have received the gospel, we pray, God, that we, like the Philippians, ordinary Christians, are able to do the extraordinary work of bringing the dead to life because we have the gospel that can do it. So help us and strengthen us. Give us um, the partnership within this church and also help us to partner with others who are far and distant away, who needs their encouragement. So God, on the final day when Christ returns, our life becomes a love letter to you. That our life reveals our love for you because you have already loved us when Christ came to die for our sins. Amen.